Welcome to Calling All Bank Directors. Our subject today is tracking some of the fair lending trends that have occurred over the last few years. Our first edition of the Practical Handbook on Fair Lending was published back in 2016, but a lot has happened since then. That's why we decided to publish a second edition, which is now available on Amazon for purchase. The trends that the second edition identified include such things as emphasis on redlining, disparate impact evaluations, redefinition of unfair, that term for discrimination, and emphasis on bank responsibilities for performance of third-party vendor relationships. We're fortunate to have two of our co-authors with us today, Lori Summerfield and Chris Willis, both partners at Troutman and highly knowledgeable in fair lending regulation and all of its manifestations. They will summarize recent developments so that your bank and your bank board can be prepared before the examiners knock on the door. All right, let's call Laurie and Chris. Good morning. Welcome to Calling All Bank Directors. What trends are we seeing now in fair lending supervision and enforcement? David, I'll take that. Um, Clearly, redlining practices are a focal point in both exams and enforcement for the CFPB and the federal banking agencies as part of this interagency effort. And we're especially seeing a focus on, quote unquote, reasonably expected market area or REMA in those exams. And as your listeners know, REMA is basically an examiner's subjective determination of where an institution actually marketed and provided credit versus where the examiner thinks the institution should reasonably have been expected to do so. And this is a frustrating point of contention in all these redlining exams for banks because no guidance exists. It's just the examination manual procedures that the examiners are applying. So it's it's really difficult to refute these subjective opinions. Um, so the banks that need to bring to bear, you know, all their data, their marketing and outreach uh, records, et cetera, to try to refute those allegations. Um, we're also seeing continuing referrals to the DOJ from the CFPB and the federal banking agencies for alleged pattern or practices of discrimination under both uh, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act and the Fair Housing Act. Um, This is something that has been going on for decades, but we have seen an uptick under the Biden administration, of course. Matters involve not only redlining, but also indirect auto lending pricing, as well as underwriting discrimination in student lending, among others. And finally, another trend that we're seeing is a focus on fair lending risk from third-party activity uh, by regulators in supervision and examination. For example, where a financial institution relies on a third party to underwrite or price credit, such as online platforms where you've got these bank and fintech partnerships. In fact, I'm sure your audience has probably seen the uh, consent order that the FDIC recently entered into with Cross River Bank. And that was a very broad scope type of compliance consent order, but fair lending was part of it. Um, But I guess the takeaway here is that ultimately the institution is responsible for managing fair lending risks, even if they outsource underwriting or pricing to a third party. Thank you, Lori. How are fair lending issues currently playing out in examinations and banks' relationships with examiners? David, I'd be happy to address that. You know, the, the traditional 
in familiar pattern of bank examinations really revolves around an ongoing relationship between the local exam team and the bank. You know, the, the exam team gets to know and understand the bank and its operations and its personnel over the years, and the local exam team exerts, you know, a lot of influence over the sort of outcome of issues in the exam and works with the bank to make sure that issues are taken care of um, in a way that's consistent with safety and soundness and other mandates of the bank's regulators, bank regulators' purview. But with regard to fair lending issues, particularly recently, we've seen a shift in that dynamic where the fair lending issues that arise in examinations are either being escalated to or driven in the first instance by sort of the central fair lending staff of the regulator in Washington, D.C. And so we see lots of instances where things happen in exams that don't appear to be coming from the exam team itself and sometimes may even be at odds with the views of the exam team, but nevertheless are being sort of imposed from above from Washington, D.C. And it really sort of takes away that sort of relationship element of the exam process that many banks are accustomed to, and which is very productive, actually, because the local examiners know how the bank is trying to comply with the various regulatory requirements involved. And so it just sets up a dynamic where sometimes issues can become much more adversarial, um, not at the wish of the exam team, but because they're being driven from a policy standpoint from Washington, D.C. And we're seeing that time again, in, time and again in the examinations that we support with our bank clients. Thank you very much uh, for that, Chris. Well, I wanted to thank both of you for joining us today. The, uh, the book is a Practical Fair Lending Handbook, uh, second edition, and it's available on Amazon. And our guests, as well as I, would be delighted to respond to any questions you might have, either before you read the book or after you read the book. So uh, thanks again, and uh, appreciate your work on this. And thanks for having us on the podcast.